if I could offer you a plan that would guarantee your life would be a success, would you be interested? She say, nothing up my sleeve here. You don't have to watch an infomercial. You don't have to pay me a fee because this is not my offer and I didn't come up with it. But I've followed this plan for 44 of my 64 years and found that when I follow it, my life turns out well. And when I don't, it doesn't. The plan is so simple and so foundational that God put it in Psalm 1, the one we just read. He didn't wait to make us wait till Psalm 23 or Psalm 100 or Psalm 150. Though all of those are great psalms, it's right there in the first one, and it's going to be up on the screen. And let's look at it. Here's the plan in one sentence. Stay away from selfishness and selfish people that help us fail and stay close to God and do what he says, and everything we'll do, we do will prosper. It's that simple. And here's how it works. Psalm 1, verse 1. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked, nor lingered in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seats of the scornful. A big part of success is staying away from things and people who nudge us toward failure and selfishness, which the Bible calls sin, and selfish people whom this psalm calls the wicked and sinners and the scornful. Those things and those people help us fail. Selfishness and sin, those things we've done and left undone, don't just get in the way to heaven. They trip us up here on earth as well. Think about habits and addictions that wrap around our minds and, and our bodies and pull us down from who we'd like to be. Think of words and actions that rattle around in our heads and saddle us with guilt from mistakes and misfortune and failures in the past. Think Think of that little lie, that unkind word, that quick glance at the test paper on the desk next to you, that fudged figure on the tax form, that moment spent on the pornographic website, that one little sinful choice that just seems innocent and innocuous at the time, but then it comes back, nipping at our heels like a pack of wolves chasing us through deep snow. Sin never helps. Now, sure, it looks good in the beginning, and it seems harmless, and it promises pleasure, but it's a lie. It's a lie, and it helps us fail. Sin helps us fail, and hanging out with sinners help us fail. Now, by this, I don't mean for us to retreat from the world in terror of being polluted, or that other people are sinners and we're not because we are, or that we shouldn't be friends with folks who are unchurched or of other religions. What I mean is we need to choose our closest friends and most trusted advisors carefully because, like it or not, we become like those we admire most and spend the most time with. Now, as I was growing up, I was a pretty good kid most of the way through school, except in the seventh grade. And in seventh grade, I was put in a class of bad boys that lied and cussed and abused people, and without really meaning to, I picked up a lot of their bad behavior. But then in eighth grade, I straightened out because they put me in a different class with a whole bunch of other people who were a little bit kinder. About four years, four or about five, four years after high school, I, my friends who drank too much and slept around helped me feel like drinking too much and sleeping around is just what people do. 
On the other hand, it was also during those four years that my life sank from success to failure, academically and emotionally and socially and morally. And when it happened financially, that got my attention because I began to notice the pattern. And I came back to God and I found out that choosing friends who were interested in God and who were making something of their life helped me do the same. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, right after the part we just heard today. Bad company corrupts good morals. Hanging out with sinners helps us fail. Sin and sinners help us fail. Getting close to God helps us succeed. And Psalm 1 continues, verse 2. Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on his law day and night. The Bible is not musty, dusty, old history. It offers us life today. It's full of promises and insights that we need now. I was listening to a woman one time in my office, and she's talking about her fears for the future. And as, as I'm listening, these scriptures kept coming to mind, like Psalm 56 that says, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And God, whose word I praise, I will trust in you. And God, will I trust? I will not be afraid. What can mortals do to me? And Philippians 4 that says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind. And at the Last Supper, Jesus told his disciples, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Now, I didn't learn those verses in seminary, and I've not learned them since becoming a priest or because I'm ordained. I picked up those promises from the Bible by reading the Scriptures a little bit every day, and doing that for 43 years. And I learned those scriptures in the first couple of years I was doing that because I needed them. And some of us today need those same scriptures. Well, when I shared them with the woman who was sharing her fears with me, she brightened up, not because of my peaceful presence or biblical expertise, but because she said, oh, I I've heard those. They work. If any of us are not biblical students currently, we can become one today simply by picking up the Bible and opening up and starting to read. And as we do, that we will, we will find that sometimes God speaks to us as we read the Scriptures, and other times He brings them back to our remembrance when we need them. But we have to put the Bible in our minds before it can come out. And we have to read it before God can speak to us through it. So what happens when we stay away from sin and sinners and get close to God? Verse 3, they are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season with leaves that do not wither. Everything they do shall prosper. Now that is a great promise. Everything we do will prosper, which means if we listen to God and we follow him and we and what we hear, we listen and we hear it right, he'll bless it. And if we hear him wrong, he'll bail us out. Either way, we win. Now, this is not a license to do whatever we want and expect God to bless it. It's a promise that as we listen carefully to God and do our best to follow what he says, that God will take care of us and not let us wander too far off track.
It's a promise that everything we do will prosper, either by succeeding or by teaching us to listen better next time or to think more deeply next time or to act differently next time. God offers us his plan for success. Stay away from sin and sinners that help us fail. Get close to God and do what he says, and everything we do will prosper. But what if we don't want to follow that plan? Well, the rest of the psalm tells us, verse 4, it is not so with the wicked. They are like the chaff which the wind blows away. And we've all had it happen to us. We work and work and work and work on something that we know is just a little sketchy. We know it's probably not the right thing to do. We know it's a little selfish, something we know is not right, and we've had it explode in our face or had all of our time and effort and energy come to nothing as though the wind just blew it away. That's because God loves us too much to let us succeed at being a failure. Because sin and selfishness, though they may seem to get us ahead for a little while, ultimately lead to failure because sin never helps. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked shall not stand upright when the judgment comes, nor the sinner in the counsel of the righteous. People get away with sin and selfishness all the time. I'm not saying God slaps us down immediately every time we make a mistake. Thank God he's more patient than that. But in the end, when Jesus comes in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end, those who keep saying yes to Jesus will make it past that judgment and into the kingdom, and those who don't, won't. The psalm concludes, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is doomed. You want to prosper in all that you do? Avoid sin and sinners who help you fail and choose to listen to God and do what he says. It's that simple. On the other hand, if you choose to hang out with selfish people and folks who mistreat others, don't be surprised when you turn out to be just like them. If you choose to ignore God and do what he says and if you, want, if you choose to ignore God and what he says and do only what you want and when and how you want to do it, don't be surprised when life doesn't work and all your efforts feel like chaff that the wind blows away. And if you choose to love only yourself and refuse to treat others the way you want to be treated, don't be surprised when people walk away and don't want to be around you. Failure is that simple too. Today, if any of us realize we've gotten a little too close to sin or some sinners, now is the time to move away. When Mother Tracy invites us to confess our sins in the silence that follows, let's admit our sin and selfishness. Let's acknowledge any bad company we've been hanging out with and determine to put some distance between us and them and avoid failure. And if any of us knows we're not close enough to God, especially because we've been neglecting our Bible, when we come forward to receive communion, let's determine to move closer to God as well. That will take us in the direction of success. God offers us his plan for prosperity or failure. The choice is ours.